Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Hello and welcome to Taiwan Today. I am Natalie So. Today I'm delighted to have with me a power couple in the world of academia, Professors Harry Harding and Shirley Lin, who teach at University of Virginia. They've written many books on China and Taiwan, and they are visiting professors at National Zhengzhou University. And、uh, Harry has also advised many U.S. presidents on China policy. And today we're going to get their thoughts on U.S.-China relations. Well, the biggest issue recently in U.S.-China relations is the trade war and the truce and ongoing talks. Harry, tell me what you think about the progress of the trade war right now. Right. Well, of course, we are right in the middle of negotiations between the two sides, and it's too early to tell what's going to happen. Um, I think the Chinese are now taking the pressure from the United States very seriously. They're coming up with an offer to the U.S., and so there are really two questions. First of all, will that offer really be good enough to satisfy American demands and requirements? And secondly, will Trump really hold out for a a good offer? Will he want to declare victory and accept something less of what we really ought to be pushing for? Uh, so there are two risks. One is that the、uh, Chinese will offer too little, and the other is that Trump will accept too little. But hopefully, they will come to a good resolution, and the, this aspect of the competition can be can be round、uh, wrapped up. The problem will be that this will continue to be a very competitive relationship going forward. Definitely,、um, and Shirley, what do you think about the U.S.-China trade war? I agree with、uh, Harry's view that in the long term, it's a Competitive relationship that's unlikely going to resolve their differences.、Uh, however, I think the real reason for the trade war、uh, is a technology war. Given the distance between、um, Chinese technology and、uh, advanced economy technology, I think China's、uh, catching up and the rise of China really depends on、uh, their having more basic research. Um, and setting the standards for the world's、uh, technological advancement, and I think in this way, Made in China 2025, for example,、uh, will enhance, intensify the competition between、mm-hmm. the U.S. and China, and therefore the trade war or the technology war、uh, is unlikely to end、uh, in the short or medium term.、Right. And the U.S. seems very nervous about、um, Chinese technology, right? Like for Huawei, for security reasons, and、yes. so this is going to be a very major issue going. It's、forward. going to be a very major issue. Issue. The competition is going to be really multifaceted and is going to be, I think, global. It's not just going to be in Asia.、Uh, it's going to be,、uh, first of all, an economic competition over the vitality of the economies,、uh, the two models, the, you know, the economic and the political systems of the two countries, and both are putting themselves forward as models for the rest of the world. Soft power, cultural power, and influence. Now we're talking about sharp power, the ability to, especially, to use social media to reach inside. Other countries to influence them, and、uh, tech power, technology power, and financial power—the、uh, uh, battle over whose currency will be the major reserve currency going forward—that will be, I think, a long-term issue. So, how would you describe the、um, current relations between U.S. and China? Some people have called it a Cold War.、Mm. Um, what would you say, Harry? 
I would say that it is a highly competitive relationship between two highly interdependent countries. Mm -hmm. And that is an unusual relationship, not unique. There have been periods in the past before World War I, for example, where uh, European powers were both competitive and, uh, at a lower level, interdependent. But it's unlike the original Cold War with the Soviet Union, where uh, there was very little interdependence. They were mutually isolated. Uh, and so I think it's very different. The one similarity that gives us some hope that we can avoid an open conflict is that both China and the United States are nuclear powers. That worked between the United States and the Soviet Union. I'm pretty confident it'll work for, uh, for China and the U.S. But that does not mean there will not be a, a competitive relationship over military power and capability as well. And um, you've advised many U.S. presidents mm. on their China policy. So how do you think Trump is doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is so often the case. Uh, President Trump has identified a real problem that had not been adequately addressed by previous administrations. That is, we did not really push hard for a fair trading and uh, reciprocal trading relationship with China. Uh, there was just a very interesting interview that the former U.S. trade representative, Charlene Barshevsky, gave uh, in which she said pretty much that, that we didn't push back hard enough. So I think that many people think that Trump is properly less patient, more demanding. What he's calling is, I want results-oriented engagement, not just engagement for its own sake. However, how he is doing it, basically without enough support from our allies and emphasizing tariffs as the main instrument to put pressure on China, many people question the effectiveness of that particular tactic. Right. He calls himself the tariff man now, right? Yes, he calls himself <laughs> so, that, and that's what he is, and whether he should be is, is the question. Hmm. So, I mean, both sides are going to be hurting from this yes. trade war, right? Well, which side do you think is going to be hurting more? Well, I think both sides are hurting. I think it depends on where you look in okay. terms of the stock market. Both have hurt. China has been hurting more. Uh, in terms of uh, export losses, I think, of course, American farmers have been have been targeted. Everybody is hurting. Both sides are hurting. Um, I think what's really interesting is to see how the domestic political processes are responding. I would say that the American public is not expressing much concern yet. The American business community is just beginning to. I think that the domestic pressure on leaders to resolve the trade war, at least temporarily, is coming more from the Chinese side, frankly. Uh, their economy in that sense is hurting more uh, than the American economy is. So why do you think there's not as much pressure from America? Have they not felt it yet, the I think that I think the consumers, exactly. Consumers have not felt it yet. Uh, we went through a Christmas season. It was too early for it to have much effect. I don't think the consumers have, uh, have felt it. Producers have either felt it, or uh, as in the case of farmers, or they anticipate uh, feeling it. Uh, Apple is uh, kind of in the middle. They're selling fewer products in China. Whether that is because of the trade war, as some people say, or whether it is because of a certain flaw in Apple's uh, uh, sort of marketing strategy and technology development strategy, I think that actually may be more important. So we have some are hurting already, some are anticipating future hurt, uh, some are just at the cusp of being hurt, but still I would argue that what surprised me is how much pressure there seems to be on Xi Jinping to resolve it that may mm. even be more than the pressure on Donald Trump. I think maybe uh, I could just add um, that uh, the reason for 
uh, China to be concerned is somewhat justified in the medium term because uh, unlike in previous uh, decades, I think that U.S.-China relations has come to a point where there's bipartisan support for what Trump is doing, uh, at least on the conceptual side, uh, as to how to do it specifically, which industry to increase tariff. Uh, that is a different question. Uh, but in the long term, you've not seen American elites in so many different fields feeling the need to adjust or rebalance this relationship, which in the last 40 years has really moved in a direction that is unexpected by many people. And specifically what I'm referring to, I think, is uh, coming back to what Harry said about soft power. There is uh, going to be, in the end, the ultimate test of whether a liberal democracy uh, is the right system, has the right idea about govern, mm -hmm. how to govern a, a country uh, versus uh, a more concentrated uh, form of governance, whether you call it authoritarian or any uh, other name. Um, they're totally uh, different ideas. If I could just add to that, mm -hmm. I think that um, we see problems in both countries. Uh, the Chinese uh, growth model of export-led uh, uh, labor-intensive growth is slowing down. They're in what uh, some people call the middle-income trap. The U.S. is clearly in a high-income trap uh, where we're very wealthy, but again, things are slowing down. Inequality is increasing. I would say that both sides need to uh, work on improving the effectiveness of their uh, economic and, uh, and uh, political political models, and that the Chinese are more serious about this than we are. Uh, we still don't have a good strategy for solving the problems of our democracy or of our economy in the particular period that we're in. So I think America had better get its act together if we are indeed going to be, as I think we are, in an across-the-board competitive relationship with China. Hmm. Well, it seems that um, China, with its um, authoritarian government, mm -hmm. it's easier for them to make a strategy, right? It's more well, top it's, down. And, yes, and can but then it's easier for them to make mistakes and harder for them to correct. Yeah. Uh, I think in foreign policy, I see, and in Taiwan policy, uh, I see mistakes being made that are very difficult to correct because a powerful leader is personally uh, has his fingerprints on that uh, on that policy. So I think that um, democracies um, are disorganized. It's hard for them to uh, make decisions, but it's also easier for them to reverse mistakes than it may be for authoritarian systems. That's true. And, and what do you think of the current president, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping? Uh, both of you, uh, surely for a yeah. second. I mean, he's, he's basically president for life, you know? Well, I think lifting term limit um, does not simply mean, doesn't mean necessarily absolutely president for life. Uh, he has to be reelected. But of course, uh, what he has been doing since he came to power uh, is really concentrating power and information in a way that is moving the Communist Party in somewhat of a different direction than in the past. And some uh, say that he's a revisionist, that he's a Maoist, uh, but whatever it is, he is now sitting on more important um, decisions than any other leader has done since Deng Xiaoping. And as Harry says, the issue with that is when somebody has so much power, it could be a blessing. And I often say that in terms of uh, long-term strategy like cross-street relations, he may have the authority now to finally change it, to move it toward a more constructive relationship 
or the opposite. And here is the problem with uh, too much concentration of power is that, first of all, you have to assume he has good information. And then second, uh, he has the right people. Uh, and I think when someone is too powerful, it is hard to get the information you want uh, because there's so much fear of saying the wrong thing and being punished for it. Uh, but also, uh, how do you ensure the system continues to be meritocratic as opposed to just people that he trusts mm-hmm. for personal reasons? So I think she, in this regard, can do great things because of the concentration of power, uh, but equally likely uh, it will uh, hurt him uh, in the long run. Uh, but for the moment, there is a lot of support for Xi Jinping, and young people in particular were quite happy at the beginning uh, of his presidency. But since uh, the term limit lifting, I think there is a, a visible uh, uneasiness, especially among the younger generation, as to why uh, China is going in this direction. And Harry, what do you think of Xi Jinping and where he's taking China? Well, I think um, domestically, unfortunately, I think he has the right idea. China has to get out of the middle income trap. But the way that he's doing it, especially on the technology side, is now creating a lot of pushback from other countries, not just the United States, but also Europe. He's trying to be more assertive in international affairs. That's creating pushback as well, because while he talks about being a constructive, China being a constructive player, what the Chinese are doing with regard to issues like the South China Sea and Taiwan uh, are raising a lot of questions. So I think his record is mixed. And do you think the um, United States should be very nervous uh, about a strong leader like that? I don't think, uh, nervous is not the right word, I don't think, Natalie. I think we just have to realize that if we are seeing ourselves, as President Trump has said, in a competitive relationship with China, we need a a better, clearer, long-term strategy than we have now. And we need, as I've said a minute ago, to get our act together more than we have done so far. Mm -hmm. So that's what worries me. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Harry and Shirley. I've been speaking with experts Harry Harding and Shirley Lin, who are experts on Taiwan and China. And uh, they are visiting professors at National Zunzi University. They also teach at University of Virginia. Uh, In our next episode, we will talk about cross-strait relations. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan Today. I'm Natalie So. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit English.rti.org.